Do you ever want to be a guest on a super cool podcast hosted by a glamorous power couple from their cutting-edge home studio on the outskirts of a major metropolitan world hub? Hollywood, anyone? Us too. Until then, let's pretend. One of these days, you might get a DM, a PM, an EM, or even a message in a bottle inviting you to join my husband and I for an hour or two in our chat lab working on solutions for all the world's problems. And when you are invited, there's only one response. Yeah, uh-huh. Start the recording, so that's started, so you know that. And uh, and then Lisa usually, I don't know if you've listened, but mm-hmm. Lisa usually launches it. Uh, so yeah. did you send that email or what? Mm-hmm. The pictures. I'm gonna send the pictures via text. Okay. Okay. To both. Well, at least to Lisa. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I can share. I will share. Mm-hmm. Mm. So here is a photo of the. Okay, quit making faces. Lisa. It said the only known photo of the uh-huh. pyres of Alcatraz. Mm-hmm. Where's your oh. phone? He's in the front row, and she's in the center, sitting next to Richard Oaks who was oh, wow. like the first leader of the Alcatraz. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, let me get to the point where um hasn't come across quite yet. I'm just now sending it, Lisa. Oh, okay. okay. That would explain why. So there's one photo. Mm-hmm. Okay. So is she to the left or the right? She's, um, oh, she's uh, right there on... On the right-hand side. Okay. Right next to uh, Richard. Yeah, Richard's, sorry. He she's was, got the darker hair. Uh, She's got a like a hair thing on. Yeah. Oh, okay. She's got her arms crossed in front of her. And if you look down at her feet, she's got moccasins on. Yeah. Uh, okay. It, the picture flipped. So. Oh, did it? Oh, yeah, I think okay. so. Because the, the one um, on the left for me is the one with the dark hair. Like the that's her left. Hair. I'm always getting my left and my right mixed up. You know me too. I'm yeah. so my right. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. Okay, that's okay. So that's Mary's aunt. Okay. Okay. Wow. More that is that is like I mean it's so cool. You know. Imagine here's me who has I've heard all of my life. Well, your great aunt Stella used to take medical supplies out there to the occupation, and she would help out. I'm like, oh wow, that's mm-hmm. Great, cool. So when I showed up to the, it was way more than that. Yeah, here I came across this very picture, and I'm looking mm-hmm. at it, it's like Stella Runnels Leach, and I'm like, oh my. Yeah, my great aunt Stella. She yeah. was uh-huh. just a visitor helping out or supporting with medical. Mm-hmm. She was one of the occupiers. So then mm-hmm. I, I read later on, if you go to her Wikipedia page, is mm-hmm. one of her sons was. On the first boat with Richard Oaks out to okay. Out. Well, let's do the intro and start. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. No, yeah. go ahead. And then we can start this again. You're about to watch news film shot by Cron TV in November 1969, featuring Mohawk Richard Oaks on Alcatraz, reclaiming the rock for Native Americans. Oaks was a former iron worker who enrolled at San Francisco State in 1969. He recruited students to join the occupation of Alcatraz which became a catalyst for Native American rights. Although the occupation lasted 19 months, Oaks left the island in January 1970, following the death of his stepdaughter, Yvonne. He continued to campaign for indigenous peoples, but was shot to death in 1972. 
yet another casualty in the fight for social justice. You will actually file a formal uh, claim on the island? Yes, we will. How soon will you go to the board? Well, at this time, I believe there's already been a letter somewhat similar to this uh, proclamation that's already been issued to the, uh, the President of the United States, one to the United Nations. Richard? You say you're going to the Board of Supervisors. How soon will you be going to the Board? Just as soon as we get back. What's this nation you want to establish out here? An American Indian nation, comprising of all the, all the tribes, including the Alaskans. Why Alcatraz? Everybody can see it. On one end of the country, you have the Statue of Liberty, and this is it's uh, just the opposite. You have a true reality of liberty. Do you think you have the legal right to claim the island, and why? Well, you're talking about two different societies now. In my society, or in the Indian society, yes, we do. And so, have you talked with Mr. Harmon, the uh, GSA? No, I haven't. I probably will as soon as I get to... Richard, can you uh, describe for me again what it is you hope to build out here on Alcatraz? Build a nation. We hope to build an example that uh, our, a mecca, a school where other Indians can come to and just learn. Okay. Yeah. Um, hello, listeners. This is Yeah Aha with Lisa and Phil. And this week we have Mary Connolly, a really good friend of ours. And um, she is going to be talking about the occupation of Alcatraz. Her aunt, Stella Runnels Leach, was actually one of the occupiers. And she was one of the primary people running the clinics. Um, so that was like medical care. And uh, welcome, Mary. Thanks, guys. How are y'all doing? Great. It's fun. It's good to see mm-hmm. you again. Yeah. You all we, uh, we, we touched on the fact that it's a little bit ironic that the Bengals are in Chicago <laughs> with Mary while we are here in Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> but this is an interesting, you know. Uh, uh, have- yeah. Until Mary mentioned this, I had no idea. Right. Never heard of it. Oh, of the of the Indian occupation. The occupation. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it wasn't touched upon in our history books, and and I I do say that well, there's two factors there. I think one, there's a whole lot of history, and two, they didn't want to teach us that. No, there's uh, a lot of Native American and Black history that's left out of the history books. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff that you would find out. Potentially in college, based on the type of history classes that you take, right. but in grade school and in high school, no. Yeah, no. no. Yeah. Isn't that kind of what's behind the whole thing? Is that um, the uh, the tribes felt that they were being canceled, or that their culture was being uh, kind of uh, right. eviscerated? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, well, it was. It was yeah. actually outlawed. Well, back in the, I think it was the 50s or the 60s, the government had an initiative where they decided mm-hmm. we're going to move Native Americans off of the reservations. We're going to move them out into the major metropolitan areas and we're going to force them to assimilate. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, the Star Trek's Borg or, um, well, assimilation was key. They thought that if they could assimilate the Native Americans, then they could relieve themselves of the Indian problem. Mm-hmm. And so San Francisco was one of those major areas. And my great aunt Stella, who was part Oglala Sioux and part, well, we'll say Oglala Lakota, that's the real mm-hmm. title, and also part Colville Native American. She lived out in the state of Washington and was living on the Colville Nation. So she moved from there down to San Francisco. I'm imagining because it was the closest 
center. And the idea was that they were going to move them to these metropolitan areas. They were going to give mm-hmm. them a stipend to live on. And then they were also going to give them education. Yeah. So and she they forced was, the children into, um, into private schools. Like, yeah, they just stay there. That. They live yeah. there. Yeah. Which is something that they've been doing since, mm. you know, for well over a hundred years at that time, a mm. hundred years. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Just like um, the place in Pennsylvania and St. Joseph's in South Dakota. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the place in Pennsylvania called? I forget. Mm. My mind is drawing a blank. But yeah. my great grandfather was there. Okay. And then my grandfather was at St. Joseph's in South Dakota. Okay. And then here's my great aunt Stella, um, mm-hmm. who was moved off of her reservation, moved into San Francisco, and went to school then to become a nurse worked mm-hmm. for a doctor called Dr. Tepper, mm-hmm. who actually later turned out to be my own family's physician. Oh, okay. So yeah. And mm-hmm. then while I was in San Francisco and I'm telling my sister, Kathy, about this, she's asking my mom and mom's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah. In fact, when I took over for Aunt Stella, it's because she was going out to the occupation. Mm-hmm. She asked Dr. Tepper, can I leave for a year or two uh, and find a replacement? And he said, Sure. So my mom ended up being a nurse for him and he became our family mm-hmm. physician. Yeah. So those are and kind was, of our, go ahead. Uh, she was 51 at the time. Yeah. 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 I, I did the math. Like 103, <laughs> yeah. which is a crazy uh, mm. long age. I'm so glad she has. Oh, wow. Life. So you but knew yeah. her? No. Well, I met oh. her when I was a baby, mm-hmm. but not while I was growing up. Okay. So it's weird to me that here is, a close family member who's part of like a very strong part of Native American history. Mm-hmm. And I know absolutely nothing about it until I yeah. actually go to Alcatraz. Right. Even your own family didn't yeah. really, you know. Yeah, my, my mom just said, oh yeah, she helped out. My my Aunt Gertie, who was her niece, didn't really talk about it. And my grandma never talked about it. My dad mm-hmm. never talked about it. Yeah. It's just very weird to me that... Mm-hmm we're part of something that's so historic and mm-hmm. there's no mention of it. It would yeah. be like finding out that one of your ancestors uh, died at Gettysburg and you never knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Which that's, is entirely possible. That must've been. Uh, of course, now they were probably you know. drunk and fell over. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're I mean, we're talking about my ancestors here, right? <laughs> Not the soldiers at Gettysburg. In most, of the, okay. most of my American, my American ancestors had alcohol involved in a lot of their situations. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. conti- that tradition mm-hmm. continues today. Yes, yeah. yes, it does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Bible tactic. That's why you guys are still here. Oh yeah, Danny <laughs> says hi, Mary. Oh hi. <laughs> He's not here, but he said to say hi. We've seen a lot of Danny lately. Yes. Um, but um, so back to the subject. Uh, San Francisco was it? Mm-hmm. What was it called in San Francisco? The Indian American Center? Is that what it was, or was it? The, Really, uh, um, that sounds familiar. I just know that they didn't call it Native American. It was just known as the Indian occupation of Alcatraz. Right, right. Well, I, what, I'm, yeah. what I'm getting at is that apparently uh, the Indian American Center burned down in early 1969. It kind of right. served. That's what kind of sparked it's, it's this. Kind of, it's kind of a catalyst. Oh, yeah. I see. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The Native American... I, I think it might have been the Native American Center of San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. But we'll have to look that up to make it official. Well, um, and that's what made 
someone, I think it was Lenata, um, based on the research we've done, that um, she was like, wait a minute, because it turns out that based on the treaties, any land that lies fallow and abandoned by the United States government can be re um, can be can be taken back by the natives. Yes. And, so in specific, uh, specifically, yeah. it's the Fort Laramie Treaty. Correct. Uh-huh. Yeah. So okay. my ancestors were there. Some of my mm-hmm. ancestors signed it. Um, yeah. My white ancestor was the Indian agent at the time that it was happening. Oh, okay. um, so she I think. I'm not sure if Lenata is the same person, but there was a woman who is, who's Oglala Lakota. She Mm -hmm. read the Fort Laramie Treaty. She had heard about Alcatraz closing down. They had just started removing, they removed all the prisoners in one day. Mm -hmm. And she read the treaty and it said, yes, if there is any federal land that goes unoccupied, the Native Americans can have it back. So they decided, so she was talking to Richard Oaks, who Mm -hmm. was a student in San Francisco going to school um and said hey we should occupy alcatraz so they decided to get a bunch of people together mm-hmm. and these were different native americans from different tribes hanging out in san francisco sorry not hanging out living going to school yeah. working right. to go out to alcatraz and occupy it and they did for two years from I think, yeah. 1969 to 1971 yes hi i have a proclamation i'd like to read you we, uh, the Native Americans, reclaim this land known as Alcatraz Island in the name of all American Indians by right of discovery. <clears throat> we wish to be fair and honorable in our dealings with the Caucasian inhabitants of this land and hereby offer the following treaty. We will purchase said Alcatraz Island for $24 in glass beads and red cloth, a precedent set by the white man's purchase of a similar island about 300 years ago. We know that $24 in trade goods for these 16 acres is more than was paid when Manhattan Island was sold but we know that land values have risen over the years. Our offer of $1.24 per acre is greater than $0.47 per acre the white man is now paying the California Indians for their land. We will give to the inhabitants of this island a portion of that land for their own, to be held in trust by the American Indian government, for as long as the sun shall rise and the rivers go down to the sea, to be administered by the Bureau of Caucasian Affairs. We will further guide the inhabitants in the proper way of living, We will offer them our religion, our education, our life ways in order to help them achieve our level of civilization and thus raise them and all their white brothers up from their savage and unhappy state. We offer this treaty in good faith and wish to be fair and honorable in our dealings with all white men. Tiny Island would be a symbol of the great land once ruled by free and noble Indians. And to this, uh, we're on the island so we know this is all to be true. And the use is to be made of this Alcatraz Island since the San Francisco Indian Center burned down, there is no place for Indians to assemble and carry on our tribal life here in the white man's city. Therefore, we plan to develop on this island several Indian institutes. One, a center for Native American studies will be developed, which will train a document of the tra- Trail of Tears, the massacre at Wounded Knee, as well as a victory over Yellow-Haired Custer and his army. In the name of all Indians, therefore, we reclaim this land for our Indian nations. For all these reasons, we feel this claim is just and proper and that this land should rightfully be granted to us for as long as the river shall run and the sun shall shine. Signed, Indians of all tribes, November 1969, San Francisco, California. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we did the Wikipedia. It has the date of November 20, 1969, which happened to be, happens to be mom's birthday. Yep. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, to June 11, 1971. Yeah. So about more like 18 months. Better part of two Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
And based on what we understand, uh, the beginning of the end was the death of Richard Oaks' 12-year-old daughter, Yvonne. Yeah. Um, and well, then so we're the going to finale. The well, just, just you know, <laughs> yeah. um, spoiler alert. Okay. Okay. But um, the finale, finale, Richard Nixon finally decided this was embarrassing and he wanted them to do something. So it is believed that the Coast Guard, they know that the Coast Guard shut off the power and the water, but yes. they also believe that they set fires, which, you know, ended up just making it, it made it impossible. And that was kind of what caused the end of the occupation. And they, but, they expanded. Yeah. Yeah. But what's really impressive is between November 20th, 1969, and that was a Thursday. And November 27th, 1969, the occupation swelled from 89 students. Was it 89 or 69? 89, I think. 89. Students to 400 in seven. Oh, that's something I didn't know. That's a lot. Yeah. If that's. If that's accurate, and I believe it is because we watched quite a few little YouTubes and we looked at Wikipedia and they all kind of agreed on that. Okay. So, so that's kind of yeah. like an exponential growth basically over the weekend, right? I know, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, in in the course of a week. And um, they had children, they had clinics, they had school, they had um, just everything. Kitchens. Bring, yeah, bring the food onto the island, bring in medical supplies, et cetera. Yeah, clinic. Yeah. And like you and said, this, the children. Yeah. And this became harder and harder as time went by because of the uh, Coast Guard blockades. They had to go back and forth between Richard Oaks negotiating to have supplies brought to the island and um, the San Francisco boat captains who thought of themselves as modern day pirates. Sneaking um, <laughs> supplies onto the island yeah. and people. So most of the occupiers who came after a certain point were snuck on, and and in fact, the eighty nine Native Americans who originally occupied were snuck on by um, San Francisco. Um, I can't remember what they called themselves, but they were like um, kind of thought of themselves as pirates. And oh, okay. um, originally, they had paid for these boats to take them to the island, and the boats that they paid for never showed up. Mm. So oh. that night they were taken over kind of, it, it's, it, my understanding is in the dead of night, <laughs> you know, wow. yes. pirate supporters yeah. who were not Native American, but were, you know, right. Yeah. I so, love that. That's amazing. I That's know. A- Isn't that cool? Yeah. So there's a lot yeah. of support, not necessarily mm-hmm. from the tribes, just mm-hmm. in general, you know, like now, your father, um, uh, the, uh, your ethnicity on that is? Oglala, Lakota. Go ahead. Okay. So my dad uh, is was born and raised on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. Okay. Uh, he was from Interior, South Dakota. He was born in Pine Ridge Hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went to school there for a little while. He then also, when we lived out in the Bay Area in Oakland, he went to school there as well. Although mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what he studied. Mm-hmm. Um and then eventually we were living out there during while the occupation was happening. Mm-hmm. And then around 1974, about a year after the standoff at Wounded Knee, which is also on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, my dad moved us back to the reservation. Yeah. Now, to be fair, just so you know, the reason why Mary was not overly involved in this protest is because she's slightly younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. she'd have been here so she'd when she there. says we she was in diapers 
<laughs> right. I was two years old when the yeah. occupation started and I was mm-hmm. uh, three and some change when the occupation ended. So, yeah. Right. So throwing all the support mm-hmm. that someone that's approximately 15 pounds can into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All 15 pounds of it. And I'm absolutely certain that Mary was born with the attitude that would have been supportive. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I definitely yeah. would have supported the occupation. Yeah. I probably would have been oh, like, yeah. to go. Yeah. But we should name like the, the you know, uh, we've already talked about the uh, leaders. Richard. Uh, oh. Richard Oates, yeah, and uh, Mm -hmm. also we have um, John Trudeau. Means, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. we are no longer going to let them live a lie. Trudeau, Eagle. Oh, John Trudeau. He was actually the voice because he would do the radio broadcasts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But he wasn't actually one of the um the the main leaders. Um, what I understand, Lisa, what happened was, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Richard Oak's stepdaughter um, mm-hmm. fell right. or by some accounts, yeah. and this is what you find out when you go to Alcatraz, by some accounts was pushed oh. off of those concrete steps. I kind of wondered. Yeah. So, And I have done some research trying to find out who they think did this, oh, but I just, can't find out anything. Has adopted, he had adopted her. He, she yeah. wasn't just his stepdaughter. He had adopted right. her. Yeah. Yeah. And her name was Um, Yvonne and she was 12. Yes. And then not long after that, he left. Yeah. Then I think what happened with the remainder of the occupiers is that they decided not to have a central leader. They Mm -hmm. made it sort of a democratic committee. So uh, John Trudell was part of that committee. Oh, okay. And like you said, he was the, he was the voice for, Mm -hmm. I think it was, is it Radio Free Alcatraz? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And they were, So like in the tradition of Radio Free Europe or other Mm -hmm. uh, pirate radio stations, um, they would broadcast and and people would listen to it and they would lend support Mm -hmm. to the occupation. Mm -hmm. Right. And as I understand it, too, you had fringe groups like the Hells Angels who would Mm -hmm. lend support and also the Black Panthers. Yeah. Because the the Black Panthers at the time were very um, socially active. Yeah. In the Oakland, in Oakland community. Okay. So, yep. and so, I know there's a, there's a lot of stuff about Laneda and, um, and, you know, that she didn't get nearly as much credit as she should have. She was kind of almost disenfranchised female speak wise as one yeah. of the leaders. Yeah. Then she Has tried. Yep. It does. She tried to, mm-hmm. what from what I read that after um, Richard left, mm-hmm. she tried to, um, she tried to uh, have like, Try to bring people under her, you know, try to take yeah. a leadership role. And by that time, um, mm-hmm. it, like Mary said, it had fragmented and she was not mm-hmm. able to really do that. Yeah. You guys are going to have to give me the sources for those videos so I can watch because um, that's something I didn't know. And I would love to know more information. We, do, we don't usually share our deep research of <laughs> YouTube. Actually, we okay. do. People get mad. People get mad when we send them pages of notes. It's like, yeah, because it's don't... just YouTube. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, I mean, that's all we really had time for over the last little bit. Yeah. So, you know, because we've had Full a bunch of other pool co- uh, other podcasts too, and we didn't want to, you know, even though you're of course our favorite. Um <laughs> we we didn't want to shortchange the others. Yeah. Yes. Okay, of course. Okay. Oh, and just uh 
do you like to listen to like um like those old radio shows mary i don't remember i yeah i do i just haven't in a long time but okay. yeah if you want to send there's this like i'm going to send you carcerum uh, okay. We interviewed the guy who created it, and it's basically the same idea, like the shadow nose and and the yes. symptom, you know, but yes. done in a more modern way. And it's got a full cast, and it's really cool. And there's like thirty three, kind of like twenty to twenty seven minute episodes, and there's okay. going to be a new season. And I mean, Jane Lynch, okay? Have yeah. I said enough? Yeah, Jane yeah. Lynch is just enough. Yeah. Yeah. Right there, Jane Lynch. Oh, and the guy that played the janitor, Mike Flynn from um, from Scrubs. Yeah. You know? Oh, yes. He's fantastic, so, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like voice over royalty, right. you know? Yeah. Well, we talked to Shane yeah. Salk, who is one uh, of that's the creators. Him. And... Also, his grandfather, Salk, the Salk. Yeah. Re- oh, from yeah. Cincinnati. Who uh-huh. He attenuated... Wait, did he do the first Olio. vaccination? Yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. He did the first Jonas one. Salk. Jonas Salk. He, Jonas Salk, is his grandfather. So oh, he actually fascinating. knew him just as grandpa. So it's just kind of fascinating. Isn't it, though? Like you yeah. have these family members who've done something who con- contributed greatly to society. And you have no mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. yeah. It's so bizarre to me. Mm-hmm. Right. But he was like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, well, that's his grandpa to me. You know, he, he mm-hmm. might have saved all these lives or he might have... Uh, Mm-hmm. Made something incredibly, uh, incredible contribution to mankind, but all he knew him as his grandpa. <laughs> you know, so did he yeah. know when he was younger that his grandpa had done this? Or um, had they mentioned it? it I mean, I'm sure he it was old. in his, you know, his whole family, except for he's like, he says, you know, what we've got is science, 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 actor. Yeah, well, like, yeah, his whole family is doctors. His whole family is doctors. So, you know, and like, then there's when, you're, him. when you're focused on something, when you're doing mm-hmm. something, it might be significant, but it's like all part of, of your daily routine, you know? Yeah. And, he, you know, like his brother apparently made um, DNA breakthroughs. Yeah. Oh, and, wow. And his father yeah. did something or other. And, you know, I, I mean, I can't remember what it was. I'd have to refer back. But you I get guess the when idea. you're that close to that, it, yeah. it's not as awe-inspiring as it's more yeah. like, if, if, you know, it's the family business. Yeah. You know? right. but, I, but I literally uh, blew through Carcerum in like three days. <laughs> How many episodes are there? 33. What? And okay. they're all, they're yeah. all like commuter episodes. He wanted each episode to be about 20 to 27 minutes which was the average commute across america so okay that makes sense yep on november 20th 1969 protesters took over the rock island declaring it native land citing the 1868 treaty of fort laramie which gave native americans rights to abandon federal property there was no water heat or power, just empty prison cells and crumbling buildings. Young people, you know, you don't get cold because, you know, we come from reservations and communities where we don't have a lot of things and a lot of conveniences. Lenata Warjack brought fellow Native American students from Berkeley. Richard Oaks, who planned the occupation, led classmates from San Francisco State. 89 of us that landed on the island. We did it in protest of the broken treaties, the poor policies, the fact that they had denied us our culture and our heritage. Mm-hmm. So let's get back um, to mm-hmm. the IOT. Yes. The, okay. The, mm-hmm. uh, 
Indians of all tribes, right? Yeah, I think that was um, John Trudell's initiative. He wanted it to be representative of all Native Americans across the United States Mm -hmm. in an effort to, well, jumpstart Indian activism. And I think it worked. It did work. Yeah. I know that for a time there, uh, Native Americans were very prominent in the media. People Mm -hmm. uh, felt a lot of uh, uh, support and uh, for the Native Americans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like that happens now. I feel like we're Mm. more forgotten in a way. Um, But yeah, from the 70s on, probably up until like the mid 80s, maybe even the early 90s, it was Mm -hmm. very strong feeling of Native American activism. Do you feel like Mm -hmm. there's the unity, that there's true uh, cooperation? Or is it more fragmented? That was maybe born out of this incident and it continues? Or do you feel like that that was just a moment in time where... uh, where everyone got together, yeah. kind of a, um, I don't know, a Woodstock of. I, I feel personally, but then again, I'm not a Native American activist. Right. I, I feel it is fragmented. I I feel like I'm chasing smoke sometimes, mm. trying to find out, like, what can I do to help out? Are there communities here in Chicago where there are communities in Ohio that I can mm-hmm. go to help out? And it just, it just feels like... Uh, there's nothing there. Like I'll, I'll find something and then it's insubstantial. So mm-hmm. uh, like smoke I mean, on the wind. Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. of course, John Trudell died a few years back, I think 2015. Yeah. Maybe that was part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe. I but know I also it. feel too, like uh-huh. when the government talks about disenfranchised groups or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Brown people, they'll have a whole laundry list of people that they'll, uh, include in the brown right. people list but they almost always forget about native americans mm-hmm. yeah and it's like and we were the ones who were here first. and maybe because it's the most embarrassing secret might be yeah might be you know they're the the relative in the attic right yeah yeah you know it's a difficult topic but i i, I, I knew somebody from oklahoma one time mm-hmm. that said that uh, the most uh um discriminated people in the united states are if you travel out west you will see that native americans are suffer yeah. a great deal that you know of, yeah uh, and and his sister we were talking to her sister today his sister today his sister terry and she was saying that when she lived in tucson arizona um if your daughter brought home a black man it was like oh cool hi welcome but if she brought home a native american or a mexican uh-uh yeah i I can imagine how that would be frowned upon. It happened in my family too, Lisa. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my dad um, is not full-blooded Native American. Okay. uh, Like our ancestor, our great, great grandfather, Mm -hmm. he was white. He was the Indian agent for the North Platte Territory. Uh And he married a Sioux woman. Uh And it's from there that our family came down. So we come from this quote-unquote half-reads, right? Mm, yeah. So mm. here's my dad. He's in the Army. He's stationed in Fort Hood, Texas. My mother goes out there to visit family. Mm-hmm. My parents meet. They date. They get married. And my one of my uncles back home, mm-hmm. her brother, mm-hmm. uh, was very much against her marrying a Native American. Mm. This was back around 
1966 when they got married. Mm-hmm. So that kind of racism was yeah. even felt and discrimination was felt in my family. Yeah. 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 I can see that. Yeah, it's terrible. In it's South like Dakota, Dakota I, Eastern Kentucky. Yeah, very yeah, mm-hmm. Eastern Kentucky. Yeah. You know, everybody in Eastern Kentucky wants to claim that they're part Cherokee when it comes down to now. It. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, yeah, this probably is now, yeah, since the since the native active uh activism started. Right, um, right. It becomes I, less popular to be prejudiced and more popular to be liberal or at least right. open. Yeah. Yeah. When you think about how uh, how much courage it takes when you when you consider how uh, muted and how, mm-hmm. um, you know, like our part of the country is is almost completely obscured to this problem in the Western mm-hmm. part of the United States. So mm-hmm. it, it, the courage it takes to have done this uh, occupation uh, was substantial. You know, that those people mm-hmm. really they, there was really not enough uh you know, and, and, and ironically, at an age when um, you know you had the civil rights movement and women's mm-hmm. rights movement and everything like that, ironically enough, the support for that um, maybe they didn't know what it would be probably at mm-hmm. the beginning. And eventually, like Jane Fonda, I guess, went and visited mm-hmm. and yes. threw her support, and then yeah. some celebrities, some people of renown, mm-hmm. uh, stepped up. Fortunately, but it took courage to take the initial step to do that. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah, to even speak up and yeah, and, and imagine the courage of the the occupiers. Well, not just not knowing yeah. how it's going to end. Right, right. If are you going to win? Are you going to are you mm-hmm. going to be able to purchase? Or you know, are they going to let you purchase it for twenty four dollars in glass beads? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> or, or are we going to have truth? That's or? a great speech. That that's an actual. It, if you guys want to look it up, that is the actual speech made by um, Adam. Um, uh, Adam Fortunate Eagle yeah. um, yes, when they he won. announced what was going on. Yeah, they offered to buy back the land for $24, just like the whites uh-huh. had offered to the Native American tribes for Manhattan. Right. Well, yeah. and he didn't mention he meant actual Manhattan, but he did mention another island 300 years ago. Yeah. And let's face it, we still came out ahead. <laughs> Even yeah. if we got $24 in 1969 for Alcatraz, yeah, the white man still came out ahead on the Manhattan deal. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, how much was Manhattan really worth back then? I don't know. You know? I don't I mean, know how can you quantify it? Well, but you, yeah. you do still have to consider right. the inflation from true the 16 or 1700s. I'm not exactly sure. Mm-hmm. Up until 1968. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would they report those thoughts? But I mean, they didn't try to take the island back. And let's face it, back then we were not in a position of power yet. Well, I think the thing about the white man didn't have the power. What if they had taken Manhattan Island back? Manhattan Island is the closest. That would have destroyed the foothold. It's probably the closest, uh, Uh you know, closest thing to Eastern Europe. you know, realistically from the continental United States, you know, you go North, you yeah. got more Eastern, but I mean, mm. that's what makes the, that's why that yeah. property is valued. Well, that's like the best Harbor probably. It's that's, that, yeah. even without, without buildings mm. on it, without any real estate on it, it's still a very yeah. valuable piece of property. And yet we digress, which we do a lot in case you've been listening. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs>
Okay. Kent Blancet uh, has written extensively about the takeover. This was a, a massive media event. It was stage theater. The Rock is kind of like our March on Washington. It's kind of like our I Have a Dream speech in regards to creating a greater indigenous future. Today, when tourists arrive on Alcatraz, they can't help but be reminded of that. The National Park Service both manages this site and preserves its past. We are the only national park site out of more than 420 national park sites in the country that preserves a modern Native American story. So um, Richard Lokes Oaks um, didn't really expect to lead the occupation. He just kind of ended up leading the occupation. And, yeah, um, he was the one who gathered the people together onto the he boats. Was, hey, let's go to occupy yeah. Yeah, and he he was charismatic. He was good looking, so they shoved him in front. Yeah, yeah. Well, he also mm-hmm. uh, I read that he um, he started first uh, Native American studies uh, yeah. program in uh, uh, in Oakland. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he went to his um, his advisor and he said, "There's mm-hmm. no there are no Native American programs. Can we start one?" And the advisor was like, "Yeah, let's do it." Mm-hmm. And so that's the template right. for Native American studies across the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all owe it to Richard Oaks. Yep. So um, Alcatraz belonged to the Alani tribe. Um, it, it, we have that spelled A-L-A-N-I in our notes. Is that correct? Do you know? Oh, I have no idea. Okay. Uh, but are, they, are they the ones who um, they were fighting to get their fishing rights back? Um, could be. Yeah, yeah. I, I Although we we heard this. Do you really want to fish in San Francisco Harbor nowadays? <laughs> no, no. Well, I mean that's. Not, I don't know. It's clean enough yeah. now that the whales are coming back. Okay, well maybe. So what what did mm-hmm. you you said that your um your aunt's name Stella uh, that she let's uh, talk about Aunt Stella. Yeah, she. What was her role exactly? She was. Um, Oh, is she your aunt or your father's aunt? Well, she's my great aunt. Okay. So yeah, she was my my father's aunt. Okay. So she's half sister to my my grandma Pearl. Okay. So when you go to that Wikipedia page for Stella Reynolds Leach, it actually mentions my grandma Pearl. Oh, cool. Yeah. We're on it right now. Uh, Born June twelfth, nineteen eighteen. Hun, you're going a little fast there. Okay. Um, born, um, Washington to Maud Stella Nasears and Hiram Bagley Runnels. Her mother was enrolled at Pine Ridge Sioux along with her half-sister Pearl Stirk and oldest brother Raymond Runnels. Maud had previously been married to Jason Stirk, but he and their son James yeah. Jr. died. Runnels and her siblings, Mary, John, George, Louis, Juanita, William, Josephine, Clara, Hybra, Thaddeus were enrolled with their father in the Confederated Tribes of the Colville Reservation. The children began their schooling in Keller, Washington. But when Runnels was 10, uh, they were taken from their father's farm and sent by Indian agency to the American Indian boarding schools. But on Alcatraz, I I want you to, I'd like you to um, Mm -hmm. restate what her role was because she was... You said she was a uh, she was a, a medic, or she was helping. She was with, a nurse. A nurse. 
Is that yeah, the nurse. She's running the clinic. So, Mike, I'm wondering, you know, you mentioned San Francisco Bay and the pollution. And I'm mm -hmm. wondering, uh, you know, with the Coast Guard potentially cutting off um, the infrastructure to the island and, and they're trying to maintain There's their health and everything like that. Mm -hmm. um, we're talking about someone who's directly involved in, in helping people that may or may not be getting sick off of toxic uh, food and, and things like that that are left in the wake of these. Yeah, divisions. because that was a time when people were really beginning to realize that pollution in the oceans was having a, net, a serious effect. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, and when they when they when they went to the island, they, they discovered that there was still electricity, still running lights, still running water. Um, I'm not sure what the source for the water would have been if it was the bay. But that. Yeah. But. Uh, well, and I'm sure there had to be some kind of filtration system. It but, having been a prison. Yeah. And that might be one of the reasons why cutting off the electric and the uh, and the water um, kind of ended the situation. Yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah, I'm not a fan um, of Nixon, but he was well within his rights to turn off mm -hmm. water and electricity. Right. I guess. Paying for it. This is government. Yeah. Uh, the government is paying for this. We can mm -hmm. turn it off. Mm -hmm. You can occupy, but you don't necessarily have the means to be able to. And then there's no there's no actual like, you know, this was Bob's idea. You know, nobody's taking credit for that, shall we say. Oh, you mean of shutting off the Yeah, water we know it was done by the Coast Guard, but there's no real clear, um, this is the guy who told them to do it. Right. There's okay. no, there's no order in place that we can track right. this back to. Okay. Now, do you know how long um, your aunt was there? No, I don't. Because we, we do know she was there it looks like fairly early with the 400. Um, maybe not with the 89, but. Um, no, she was there like two days after, after they. Okay. The first day that they went, her son was there. She was there within the week. She followed two days later. Yeah. Okay. So she was there before Thanksgiving and you don't yeah. know how long she stayed. No, but I'm sure it was for quite was a long good? time because while, yeah. while she was gone, my mother was taking her place being, uh, um, Helping out Dr. Tepper. Yeah. And you did say that she um, she arranged for your mother to take her place so that she yes. could be gone for a couple of years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So maybe she stayed till the end. I wish I knew and I wish yeah. I could talk to her. I wish I would have known all this while she, while she was still alive. Yeah. She was it's still alive to the 2000s. Right. Oh. Yeah. Did she continue? Uh, was she a nurse after the Alcatraz? When she yeah, came further down onto that Wikipedia page, it talks about she actually created some of the first Native American uh, like clinics, free clinics mm -hmm. there in San Francisco. Uh -huh. Okay. So, so she didn't come back to Kentucky? Oh, she was not from Kentucky. She was from Washington. Oh, but I mean, oh, oh so where was your mother working for her? Oh, no, we were Where living was Dr. In, Tepper? in Oakland. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was born in Oakland, right? Okay. Oh, and okay. We actually lived in the apartment building where his office was. Oh, wow. His office was on the first floor and our apartment was on the second floor. Yeah. And I remember we lived there until I was, I think, four years old. And then we moved to a house in Hayward, California, which is a suburb of Oakland in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Um. 
so what about uh did you you said you visited Alcatraz was that recently or yes it was at the end of August so mm-hmm. about oh, okay. three four weeks ago yeah yeah wow yeah so that, yeah that was, I, good but mm-hmm. I was there for about nine days okay I was on a train. I took an Amtrak out. I got an mm-hmm. email back in April uh, for if you buy like a roomette on, on the Amtrak that you could take another person with you for free. So mm-hmm. at the time, Ian wasn't working, you know, COVID, hello. Yeah. And so we decided we're going to go out to uh, California. We're going to go to San Francisco. And I would like to retrace some of my routes. Then it turned out Ian got a job. So I went out there by myself and uh, I stayed in San Francisco. I did go to Hayward to look at the house where we used to live. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I had to go to Alcatraz. I've always wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And this might sound weird, but I just feel like my my great aunt Stella was kind of with me in spirit, pushing me along. You I have to go. Weird at all. Um, and I went to, I was going to go to, well, I paid for tickets for Ian and me to go to Alcatraz, but he couldn't go. Uh-huh. I, um, the tickets, I couldn't get the money back for them. So I invited a friend who lives out there to go with me. We had dinner reservations that night. She wanted to leave early and the boats that you take out to Alcatraz, they go once an hour. So she mm-hmm. said, we'll probably have to leave soon. I said, well, I really want to go to that native American center and just kind of check things out. And she's like, you know what? I think I can go ahead and up our, our, change our reservation, we'll stay an extra hour. Mm-hmm. And if she hadn't done that, I never would have gone to that center and walked mm-hmm. in and discovered that my aunt was a central figure in the occupation. Yeah, I mean, there's that picture right yeah. ne- where she's right next to Richard Oaks. Yeah, so I was, yeah. I came upon that picture. All I mm-hmm. wanted was just some sort of recognition that maybe her name was mentioned somewhere yeah. Like helping out, you know, medical care, right? Mm-hmm. And here I came across a picture and it described it as this is the only known picture of the central occupiers of Alcatraz and it mm-hmm. named the people. And there is Stella Runnels Leach. Wow. Right there in the front, sitting right next to Richard Oates. Yeah. Stephen Cote, a Park Service historian, curated an exhibit of the occupation. And you go to another park that was Native American land, or maybe there was a, a battle there or a massacre. Those are older stories, right? We're a modern Native American story. The occupiers are still here with us. They're still helping us to tell the story. That's uh, Richard Oakes' grandson right there. Eloy Martinez was a young organizer in the occupation. Urban res life, a child in it. Is that you? This is my mom. Uh huh. This right here is me. We were getting on the boat to come to the island. And when you're a child of an activist, that your family is all over the place. When you're staying somewhere for three weeks, that's stable. And I was safe here. You felt safe here. I felt safe here. I had read something a long time ago that she was really good friends with John Trudell. Uh huh. Um, but I didn't know. But this is how deep it went. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was mind blowing. It was, I stood there. And and it's entirely, she was obviously central because I mean, she is credited with having run the, uh, the medical, the, the clinics. Yeah. At least getting them started. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, I have to wonder if maybe they didn't 
maybe even politically put women next to him to make him seem less um, threatening because they wanted it to be peaceful. And it, it was all of the violence was on the part of the coast guard turning off their electric, their water and setting fires. Right. He was not. Yeah. He was not known for being a fiery figure. He was known for being very calm and Mm -hmm. collected. Um, But the fact that a disenfranchised group decided to speak up Mm -hmm. was too much for the government and the Coast Guard specifically. Yeah. Especially at that time, they uh had an active program of trying to get the tribes of the Native American people to be assimilated back into what they considered normal society. So one of the, even though this only lasted less than, than two years, one of the uh, side effects, one of the mm-hmm. great fruits of this occupation is the fact that they ended that program. Yeah. So they no longer decided to try to get people to forcibly assimilate mm-hmm. into white American society. Yeah. Right. And, and really, if you think about it, this it predates America because that's basically what the Romans did. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, they didn't force the tribes and the other alternate peoples, but they just made it so attractive to them. You know, it's, this is so much better. You'll get this, you'll get that. This is our Hellenic society. It's so much better. Look at all. They they would take their sons into their army. They would, um, what is it? uh, Oftentimes uh, childless uh, uh, commanders would, would actually like adopt the sons of, of, um, chiefs of other tribes, like the second son and, and that. Oh, wow. They would be, um, we learned about that. I, I kind of researched, there was a TV show, um, that I was watching and that's what they did. They kind of, it was kind of semi hostage, semi, um, adoption. And he took the sons, uh, two of the sons of this tribal leader. And, um, he, he was a general and he raised the sons as his own. I mean, literally they were his sons as far as he was concerned and they were not infants they were they were older children and he adopted them and their father you know told them go with him this is good for the tribe this is best for our people and so they were really kind of happy with their new dad and really pissed off at their old dad (laughs) well i it reminds me too of like uh this happened with uh, european royalty where they would kidnap Mm -hmm. king or even a a prince of the family and keep them hostage as a way of Right. Protecting their, their interests, et cetera. And overall it was that they were being, you know, groomed at court, but right. what it really was, was a hostage situation. Correct. Yeah. yeah. However you want to politically spin that. You don't, you want your son to have this amazing education that's only available <laughs> to the Royal princes. Don't you right. want him to have the ear of the prince? Right. You know? Yeah. And it's like, well, you don't have a choice. So send yeah. him anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so just so it's it's not a totally new concept they just didn't do it as well not nearly as well just thinking yeah. you might be walking in the footsteps of your great aunt that must have mm-hmm. been uh yeah a feeling of uh yeah what like you a call spiritual it, serendipity or something spiritual feeling yeah maybe it was 
it was all inspiring and, yeah. and yeah it felt like it felt like a culmination of all the steps that I'd ever taken in my life like this is everything that I'd done up to this point led me here so that I could discover this mm-hmm. and it makes me feel like uh, I should be doing something with my life mm-hmm. to uh, engage in Native American activism mm-hmm. and I've always mm-hmm. been a big supporter you know yeah uh, Native American rights always mm-hmm. I've always been very very vocal about that right and I always speak up on social media about things mm-hmm. like uh, NODAC etc yeah um, but I feel like I need to do something even more mm-hmm. to show who I am because I come from a long line of well great Native American people yeah who are some of the who are who's the uh Who's the Richard uh, Richard Oaks of today? Who are the leaders, in other words, of mm-hmm. the Native American? I mean, do you know? No, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Like, like you, uh, like you said, you know. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, so like it would have been John Trudell who has passed away. It would have been Dennis mm-hmm. Banks, who I believe has passed away. He was mm-hmm. a leader of the American Indian Movement. It would have been um, Russell Means who was also part of my tribe, who was mm-hmm. uh, a leader of the American Indian movement. Now, do you think he was related name. to Lenata L- means? I think and she I came from Lenata because tribe. that's what she said in her uh, video. Did she say that she was related to him? Well, no, she said Lenata <laughs> or Len- oh, okay. yeah, Lenata as, a to- as opposed to Lenata. I think mm-hmm. I read somewhere that she's not, that she is not related to him. Okay. Um, but I know she came from a different tribe. Okay. And uh, Russell Means was Oglala Lakota. Mm-hmm. But he, I don't know if you remember this, but he was like one of the people who did the March on Washington mm-hmm. back in the 70s. Uh, I remember at one point he had gone into the courthouses there in Rapid City, had broken mm-hmm. into it to um, obtain documents regarding the treaties, et cetera. And he was put in prison for that. And he went on a oh. hunger strike. Okay. So Russell Means. Yeah. Yeah. Native American studies. I did not go to um, college for that kind of information. I went to chef school. So, <laughs> yeah. And they didn't. Well, I'll, make, I'll teach you how to make this library. I'm sorry. Yeah. They didn't cover Native American history in, in, in chef school. We didn't actually, I didn't stay in chef school, so we didn't get to tacos. Oh, okay, okay. I don't know if there was going to be a whole semester just on tacos. I couldn't say, <laughs> but, you know. Well, you know, mm-hmm. uh, history yeah. in the Old West is like a dark, is a black hole. Yeah. Because it's it's filled with all these guys that would write uh, dime store novels and, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the legend of Billy the Kid. and uh, How much is true? Yeah, how much is just ridiculous and, fluff? And, Yes, so um, there's really not a lot yeah. of great history. I mean, there is, I'm sure if you excavate, but it's there, mm-hmm. it has to be excavated. And stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, I'll say that one of the best resources for Native American um, mm-hmm. history, like in the wild, wild west, would be um, the University of Nebraska. Okay. okay. So there was um, Mary Sandoz, M-A-R-I-S-A-N-D-O-C. I believe she was a librarian there. She mm-hmm. wrote a lot of books regarding Native American history, including one about Crazy Horse. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Nebraska is just below South Dakota. Mm-hmm. Right. And 
uh, one of my ancestors um, was actually a writer for a newspaper in Nebraska so that when the Battle of Little Bighorn happened, he was the one who wrote about it. And it was his story that was sent to New York. And that was the story that made in the newspapers. Mm-hmm. So oh, okay. you've got those types of archives there in Nebraska that you can delve into to learn more about Native American history. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like pretty much every book that I've ever read where they dig deep into like Crazy Horse. Mm-hmm. She is one of the main sources. So when yeah. you're looking at Stephen E. Ambrose, who is considered to be one of the greatest American historians, mm-hmm. one of the major sources that he had was her writings. Mm-hmm. Um, Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee mentions her writings, etc. So it all kind of goes back to her. We have her to yeah. thank for um, digging into the archives that they had there. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the historians who would go out to the reservations and speak to the elders and try to find out well, what were what were you, what was your take on what happened at the Battle of Little Bighorn, so that we could then get the Native American perspective of that battle instead of getting the the marketed version from Custer's widow Libby Custer. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's slowly been viewed since you know the 1870s over time you know you had Black Elk Speaks which was written in the 1920s that gave some of the Native American perspective. Uh, Black Elk was a medicine man from my tribe who was third cousins to Crazy Horse who knew Crazy Horse and been there at the Battle of Little Bighorn but he was just very young when it happened but he Mm -hmm. gives his perspective. Yeah. That starts to change some of the perception of who Indians are, who Native Americans are, and changes the the idea of us being savages mm-hmm. into which is the opposite and which is noble creatures, which is even probably just right. as bad. We're just human beings, right? But right. Yeah. there's a nobility as opposed to a, a you know less than. Well, right. Like we're not just going to war against um, the US Army because we're savages. We're going to war against the U.S. Army because we're protecting our treaty rights. Right. And you should. You gave us us this huge territory, which encompassed, you know, the Dakotas, parts of Nebraska, Mm -hmm. Wyoming, Montana, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as you, you know, Custer found out there is gold in the Black Hills, which is in western South Dakota. Mm -hmm. And they decided, oh, well, we're going to take this back. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, of course. So ignoring the the connotations, but really the first quote unquote Indian givers was the American government. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, and I'll give you a little bit of background on the term Indian giver. Mm-hmm. So Native American tribes would always share, you know, resources and food, et cetera, with people. Right. Uh, so when they wanted to help out the white people who showed up, like uh, clearly you're struggling here. You don't know how to farm. We're going to show you how right. to farm and, and live off mm-hmm. the land so that you can survive. Right. The expectation was, if we do this for you, you should also give something back of equal value. Right. And when that wouldn't happen, mm-hmm. then they would take it back. Clearly, um, you don't uh, appreciate our help. So we don't understand the value of what we've done for you. We're going to take it back. Yeah. Yeah. And that's completely understandable. I think so. I mean, if you look at it from that cultural, you know, it, it's obviously there's a certain amount of misunderstanding. 
Yeah, but it's only fair, right? If I'm right. going to help you, you, know, you, you need to help me help too. And, exactly. This is how human beings survive. Right. This is how we make it. Yes. And the, uh, and the European culture is you keep something to yourself so that you have superiority. Yeah. I can have a leg up on right. you all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for helping us. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I almost thought that was the end of the show, Lisa. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, there's a there. I don't know if um, I'm, I, I don't know if you uh, noted this, but Philip found that um, a statistic that there were um, four women to every man during the occupation. Oh, wow. That's yeah. great. And that may be female to male. It could include children. Well, I don't but, know yeah, where that number comes from. I don't right. know if that comes from the 800, you know, by uh-huh. Thanksgiving, Overall. if it comes from the 89, you know. Yeah. So I don't, but it, it, one, it was a revolving population. At one point it was, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. four to one. At, at, yeah. And at one point the, the, the largest occupation was 800 with that 400 being the, like, to me, it's like, wow, it went from 89 to 400 in seven days. Now, okay. Mm-hmm. I guess we're going to mm-hmm. close it out here pretty soon, but I wonder mm-hmm. if, yeah, this might be totally off the mark but i wonder if it was coincidental that thanksgiving was the week that this took place <laughs> kind of yeah did they hey. plan to show up that week yeah I mean, or is it just what happened i mean <laughs> it, i've never really seen when was it that the native american center uh went you know uh in san francisco um uh, when it did it turn down yeah, I mean, it was like what three or four months before that. I don't know because I this is the first I'd heard of it. I didn't okay. know that it had burned down. Yeah, it's it's a big part of all the stuff. Um, but I mean, okay. from our vast research, but Oaks. I mean, obviously, <laughs> the symbolism of the twenty four dollars yeah. and the beats, uh-huh. the fact that it took place around Thanksgiving. I wonder yeah. if that was part of the. Well, yeah, but Thanksgiving predates know. Manhattan Island. Yeah, I know, but I'm t- I'm not I'm talking about the events of 1969. Not, I know. Yeah. But I mean, how would Thanksgiving be particularly symbolic to the Manhattan Island? Um, it, it not, doesn't Thanksgiving predate? Oh, or does Manhattan Island vastly predate? I, I, which one's first, Manhattan Island or Thanksgiving? I'm pretty sure uh Thanksgiving because yeah. that's when the Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, I'm was I, it, I it the Pilgrims in sixteen twenty yeah. when they landed on Plymouth Rock? Yeah, yeah because had- Thanksgiving was Plymouth Rock. But that's the point. Okay, that's the so, point I'm trying to make is that it's Thanksgiving okay. is supposed to be a, a celebration of Native Native Americans yeah. and the Pilgrims mm-hmm. uh, putting aside their differences and being thankful. Yeah, for, thanks for the food for the bounty of the okay. earth. You know. Okay. So Which that's somewhat. Came- that's somewhat uh, hypocritical in light of historic events leading up to this occupation. So I'm just wondering if that's part of the symbolism. That's really interesting. I yeah. don't know. I never thought about it either, but it would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. To, because... to have a commentary on Thanksgiving, much like we would have a, a commentary about Columbus and Columbus Day. Right. And that might account okay. for the, the tremendous buildup over that one week, you know. I don't know. Okay. Plymouth Rock was 1620. Okay. 1638. So Plymouth Rock was 1620. 
And Manhattan Island was 1630, maybe? I don't know. Wait a minute. Hold on. It doesn't say. No, it says here, several days of Thanksgiving were held in early New England history that have been identified as the first Thanksgiving, including Pilgrim holidays in Plymouth in 1621 and 1623. Okay. Purchase of Manhattan Island, 1626. Oh, and wow. The Dutch. Yeah. So we blame them, Biatches. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> it's all the Dutch. You know, there's KG Dutch. <laughs> they can handle it. Yeah. Can't they, though? Um, yeah. So that's interesting that it was, uh, there were more, like, the uh, ratio female to male was four to one. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there must be some good reading out there on this. I mean, yeah, there, there, there must be some be. Uh, good books on this, I would mm-hmm. imagine. Um, yeah. It's an interesting topic. I mean, I'm, I'm really yeah. glad you brought it to light. To I mean, it's and, so cool that such a, I mean, a relative that you actually met, albeit as a small child, um, yeah. has a Wikipedia page and, and a real one, not just, yeah, my name was Bob Jones, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. A historic figure. Yeah, yeah. she is. She is a history historic. That is so cool. The occupation ended on June 11th, 1971, a footnote in the memory of mainstream America, but its legacy did live. It's really the spark that ignited the Red Power Movement that triggered hundreds of other takeovers and protests uh, that would eventually culminate in about 29 pieces of self-determination legislation sponsored by uh, Richard Nixon all the way up into uh, Jimmy Carter's administration. The descendants of the occupiers are now the hope for the future. It's stronger with our um, young people that are out there fighting the fight for our water, for our missing murdered indigenous women. And on Alcatraz, at least, a space that was once a prison laundry will air out a past for the present. If we were to have a cultural center permanently here, we would be able to showcase the history, the way that it really happened, that it's it's not something that was uh, made up and that they'll know that we're real people, that we're not mascots of football teams. We're real people. Yeah. And I mean, you think about it when I hear about when you're growing up and you hear about history of like uh, the Indian tribes and the Native Americans it doesn't occur to you that someone you know could have actually known someone who like knew crazy work. Right. You know, it's like, yeah. it just seems like that was so long ago. And yet when I talk to people like, for instance, Monica <clears throat> from work, Oh, by the way, she said to say hi. Hi Monica. Uh, okay. And, uh, and what it is is Monica would go down South to visit her relatives down South and she would actually see um fountains that were like white only and colored only like water fountains and i'm like this is a person who's only like five or six years older than me yeah and she actually saw that and to me it was something that was so far removed it was history it was just a decade before we were born i know it goes my mind that the civil rights movement started like a decade before we were born right racism was so or segregation was prevalent alive yeah during that time yeah yeah and and there's things I found out that happened during my lifetime and I'm like just wait a minute that happened while I was alive yeah (laughs) like I mean when I was growing up I had no idea about the Vietnam War was well I mean we were alive for Charlottesville right yeah yeah uh what about Charlottesville 
where mm-hmm. you know the the uh, people wanted to tear down the statue of Robert E. Lee and uh, oh well, yeah, but that's current. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's but I mean, happening. that's now. I'm but I mean, we're talking about, I'm talking about. You're talking about institutional racism. You're not talking about these clashes in the streets. You're talking no, about. No, that wasn't really. Yeah, that was a rec- reclamation of rec- racism. Yeah. And and there are many people on the, the African-American side who do not want those um, statues to be removed because you know, if you do not remember history, history, you know, you are doomed to repeat it. Right. Right. So they want those statues to be there, to be pointed at. And and I've always been a little bit uncomfortable with the juxtaposition of the, um, in, uh, in Avondale, across from Avondale Plaza, there's a statue in a park of Lincoln and he's very, very high, like maybe 30 feet high. Um, and he's taller than real life. And on the um, on the ground is a kneeling woman reaching up towards him. And it's obviously an, Af- you know, an African woman or Af- of African descent. And I've always found that particular tableau to be somewhat, you know, condescending. Yeah. And, and I mean, and it's not like he created it. Have you ever I don't seen- know who created the statue. Have you ever seen the Crazy Horse mm-hmm. Monument in South Dakota? Mm-hmm. No, I haven't. I've only seen pictures. Yeah, okay. that would be pretty awesome. Yeah. Do you know the, the history behind that? No. Okay, so the Black Hills mm-hmm. is our sacred land. Mm-hmm. Um, it was taken away from us because of the gold. Right. And I do want to point out uh, the reason why is because the Black Hills is the historically for the United States, the second largest gold producer for the United States. So mm. the gold that lies in Fort Knox, if it is there, you know, comes from our sacred land. Right. Um, so they built Mount Rushmore. And of Rushmore. course, when they took that gold, they fragged the land. And so you're still even dealing with that now in reservations that are still there, correct? Well, um, we'll get to that here in just a okay. second. But I just wanted to point out that, the yeah. bla- that uh, Mount Rushmore is in the Black Hills. Yes. Okay. So mm-hmm. then when that happened, and that was um, backed by government money, U.S. government money. Yes. So then some of the Sioux, the Lakota chiefs uh, were upset about this. And there was an artist mm-hmm. who said, I will go somewhere else and I will create a, a monument for Native Americans. So then they he started blasting the mountain to create the Crazy Horse Monument. Mm-hmm. The U.S. government has tried many times to go to the artists and the artist family to say, we're going to give you money to help you out with this project. And the answer is no. Mm-hmm. You created Mount Rushmore. We're going to let this be a monument for the people. Yeah. So there's a website that you can go to to donate money. And whenever they get like certain amount of funds that they can blast another section away, they'll mm-hmm. do it. Oh, Okay. And that's why it's taken oh. so long for the Crazy Horse Monument to be built. Do know. you know what that website is? No, but I can get it to you after this. Okay. Yeah, we'll go ahead yeah, and put can, that in the show notes. We can definitely notes. add that or to the show Or retrofit notes. an audio. Right. Yeah, Sometimes sense. we'll record a bit of audio after the fact at the end just to kind of okay. add on. Yeah, pretty, yeah. Pretty that would be like a recent Will Cooper slash Trump episode. When I went out to South Dakota in 2014, uh, that's mm-hmm. when I got my Native American ID. 
mm. um, so that I'm uh, a member of the Obwala Lakota Oyate or tribe. No, oh, cool. Um, I mm. tried to get out there to the Crazy Horse Monument, but I haven't made it out there just yet. Yeah. And uh, he, the the original artist, he passed away. His widow continued, and then she passed away. Mm-hmm. And then um, the children are continuing the project, which I just think is so amazing. Yeah. So, awesome. yeah. Mm. Uh, but then to get back to the Black Hills. So during the Reagan administration, mm-hmm. they decided to give us reparations for Black Hills. Mm-hmm. And that money has now been put aside because the, the tribes have not accepted it. Okay. Because we don't want the money. Mm-hmm. We want the land because that is our sacred land, much yeah. like you know, Uluru is to the indigenous tribes in Australia. Mm-hmm. So we want the land back. Mm-hmm. And so the money that has uh, that was supposed to be given to us has been kept in a trust. It's in the billions now. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds impressive. But when you try to parse that out uh, amongst the different members of the tribe, it yeah, translates a couple of thousand dollars. Yeah. So, right. and again, it's not about the money. It is about, about having them. something that's, that comes back to us. That's sacred. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, there is one last question that Phil Bass that I find, um, interesting that he put in our notes. Um, does, is it, do you, do you feel, does anyone, could the reservation system, um, be perpetrating, and or even encouraging stereotypes and racism perpetuating perpetuating yes thank you mm-hmm. i mean probably i do know that a yeah. lot of people um rail against the uh mm-hmm. tribal governments because yeah. the tribal governments aren't necessarily um doing things in the best interest i think of the tribes okay so uh, a great example that i'll use is that my great uncle or not my great uncle my uncle joe Mm-hmm. Uh, Maryville, M-E-R-R-I-V-A-L. Okay. Back in the '90s, was trying to create a bison ranch on his land there on the reservation mm-hmm. because his land is reservation land. He had to go to the tribe in order to um, get a permit, right? To start this business, mm-hmm. and he tried to, you know, argue with them or, or give the the background of, you know. This is a way of helping us to get our culture back. Yeah. We followed the buffalo, the bison. We were one of those tribes. Well, not to mention fostering the rebirth of the species. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So then he was. And he said, you know, at the time uh, there were these restaurants throughout the United States that were Mm -hmm. uh, you trying to do like um, exotic meats, you know, like ostrich meat, buffalo or bison, Mm -hmm. et cetera, alligator. And he's like, if we could do that here on the reservation, and mm-hmm. by the way, the land that the reservation is on, those counties are historically the poorest or second poorest counties in the entire United States. Right. So he's trying to think of a solution. Mm-hmm. I would like to start these bison ranches. We could set it up, see how it goes, and then we could spread mm-hmm. it across the reservation. Right. Uh, the land that we're on is very poor land, right? We're on the outskirts of the Badlands, mm-hmm. but it's it's good land for bison. We it's their traditional, correct, and and we could we could sell the meat then, and that would be an income for the tribe. Right. They turned them down. 
Do you know why? No, no, no real reason why they just turned it down. Just flat out refused. And, you know, he's angry about it. I'm angry about it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any sense to me. Why would you use this as a great opportunity to help bring the culture back? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been enlightening, fascinating. Yeah. Examining things that we knew mm-hmm. very little about until yeah. now, but things that we're going to probably mm-hmm. look at, into more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I meant, I want to find some reading on this. Yeah. Now, at this point. Yeah. So, and, uh, mm-hmm. but Mary, it's been a pleasure having you on. See you again. For this episode. Talk about this. Yeah. The, the occupation, occupation of Alcatraz of, right. by Native Americans. Right. I appreciate you guys inviting me to the show. Oh, sure. Well, we've been trying to get you on for different things, but this was the first thing you really seemed excited about. Yeah. Well, like so, I said, when I stood yeah. there in the picture, I was just blown away. I know, right? Yeah. 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 But thanks. thanks for giving a voice to to our people. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Uh, I can't let this opportunity pass without remarking on a couple of things. I come from the tribes and we we are in support of anyone that understands their relationship to the earth and to the land. And we see what's happening to the farmers. You're the new Indians. They will drive you off your land, but the Calvary is a banker now. It's a mortgage. And they talk about giving 3.4 billion dollars to the Soviets and I think they should give it here and let, let the multinational corporate state invest in the Soviet Union because that's who wants to make the profit. All there is to it, we can't take, we can't pay, we can't save anymore. All there is to it, we went to the Emperor's Ball. The emperor sang a song about sacrifice. Sacrifice who? Sacrifice what? Sacrifice you. Sacrifice me. They chased us down that vast trucker lane, past the fields of plenty. But the fields get more empty. Plenty gets more empty. Sacrifice who? Sacrifice what? Sacrifice who? Sacrifice what? Big business machine Behind God and the flag Behind God and the flag Maximizing profit Maximizing profit Third world jobs Third world jobs It's cheaper that way Cheaper that way Sacrifice who? Sacrifice what? Sacrifice you? Sacrifice Sacrifice me? Savings and loans Trillion dollar debt Sacrifice And tax man's at the door Tax man's at the door Tax man's at the door And there's banker man Banker man Banker man With the deed in his hand the deed in his hand and the thieves got away and the thieves got away and the thieves got away all there is to it all there is to it 
enforcers, government enforcers. There's rich man, rich man, rich man behind God and the flag, behind God and the flag. Rich man's taking more, rich man's taking more, rich man's taking more, and the poor, and the poor get more poor, more poor. Hey listeners, it's Lisa and Phil from Yeah Uh Uh-Huh. How are we doing? We love feedback. Please use our socials to let us know what you think. We have socials. Twitter. Yeah, uh-huh, pod. Instagram. Yeah, uh-huh, pod. Facebook. Yeah, uh-huh, pod. Notice, Notice a, a pattern. pattern. Website. www.yeah-uh-huh.com. So let us know. Hit us back. Have a great week.